Welcome to Kick Your Butts, a show where excuses, limits, and boundaries go to die. Where moving through everything that's holding you back is the key to stepping onto your infinite path and achieving the success you deserve in life, business, and relationships. It's time to take those butts and kick them into oblivion. Now here's your host, Susan Desenzi. Welcome back to another episode of Kick Your Butts, where we come together to obliterate your butts, your boundaries, your excuses, and all those self-imposed limitations that are holding you back and stopping you from stepping into your infinite possibilities. I am super excited to be here this week, and I may not sound as enthused as normal, because in light of everything going on with COVID-19 in the world, there's a tremendous amount of fear And the one thing I've learned more than anything over the last several weeks is that it's helpful to be fearful to some degree by staying, you know, in precaution and not taking risks and following mandates and, and things that are being asked of us in order to minimize the spread and, and, and really flatten that curve. And at the same time, life goes on, people. This is about, oh my God, but COVID-19 is there. What am I going to do? But what if? And that's exactly why we're here. So I am super excited, as I always am, to bring guests onto my show who are high-level experts at what they do. And today's guest is no different. This is an absolutely amazing woman who I just met not too long ago in person. And I can tell you, although you can't see the video, her energy is unbelievably high and off the charts. She's got an amazing heart and soul. And the work she's doing is really really, really important. So without further ado, I would absolutely love to welcome to the house, a Eva Venari. Welcome. So glad you're joining us today. Thanks, Susan. I'm glad to be here. Excellent. Well, let me tell you all a little about Eva's background, and you'll understand why I'm so excited. Eva teaches worldwide Okay, not just local, not just in the United States, but worldwide, how to navigate complementary medicine. Now, we've done some episodes in the past on alternative medicine and complementary medicine and alternative therapies, and we even had a holistic pharmacist on. And the reason that I love to continue bringing on guests that share very same and similar backgrounds is because there is not enough of any of this in the world. Remember, people, there is seven and a half billion with a B, people on the planet. So Eva coaches chronically fatigued overachievers, especially those struggling with infertility and our post-cancer treatment. Together, her belief is that we rebuild the immune system and take charge of our own healthcare. And God, have we not talked about that before? She is the founder and CEO of the Elevate Institute, love that name, which is a cutting-edge health coaching firm specializing in mineral balancing. She's the creator of Reveal, that's R-E-V-E-A-L, a hair analysis technique that lets you understand what exactly your body needs to heal and rejuvenate. Isn't that so important right now? And she's also co-founder of Illumination Tours, a high-end educational retreat experience that brings together ancient wisdom to today's lifestyle. Now, you may think that that's on hold because of what's going on in the world with COVID-19, and I assure you it's not, and we will get into that a little bit later. So again, welcome, Eva, to the show. And with your specialty in intuition, with your specialty 
in complementary medicine and health and taking charge. Can you tell me a little bit about what you do exactly, a bit of who you are and a little bit of how you got here? I was a hot mess. That's really how I got here. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is why I brought Eva on, peoples. Just listen. I was a hot mess. She didn't start with all the professional bullshit of, hi, I'm this professional coach and I do this. She's like, I was a hot mess. We're talking, we keep it real, people. We keep it real. I love that. Can't help it. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I can't either. And I, I find that's where people, they, they are, you know, that's where I find them. And I still hold on to that. I remember what it was like to be the single mom raising two kids without support and not knowing how to take care of myself. And all of that kind of kept me from being in my body. And there was an awful lot of pain. So I, I am grateful every day for being sick so young so that I could recover and then share with the rest of the world. And that's really how I feel about how sick I became and what I've learned from it. So how sick did you become, if you don't mind sharing? Don't mind sharing. It's, I mean, it's so important to share because when I share these things, no matter how intimate and personal they are, there's somebody who needs to hear they have, there's a way out. So for me, I became a very depressed at a young age and it was left untreated and unacknowledged as a teenager that turned later into chronic fatigue. And by the time I was uh, 20, I was told I had a autoimmune disorder and I caught scarlet fever. Man, (laughs) God, you weren't beaten up enough, huh? (laughs) No, no, it gets worse. So by by a little bit after that, I met and married my now deceased ex-husband. So that's a whole nother story. That's Mm. another, that's another podcast. So, (laughs) um, so I met him at 20, had a miscarriage at 21 and was told I was infertile at 22. Mm. Did finally have my, my girls. I had two, two girls that are now 22 and 23, but my health concerns didn't stop just because I was able to have children. It moved into having arthritis. I went into perimenopause at 28. I was told I would be in a wheelchair by the age of 35 from that arthritis. They said, oh yeah, your L4-5 is all you know mangled and it would have been dam- damaged in the deliveries of my children. So there was, they, there's no rebuilding of that. You're just going to have to live with it. And I had IBS and itchy skin and anxiety and the chronic fatigue just continued and it snowballed. So it was one problem after another. And you can imagine the anxiety and the frustration of going from doctor to doctor to doctor. And all they wanted to give me was, you know, anti-anxiety medication, which I ripped up. I said, no, thank you. Depression medication. I ripped up, said, no, thank you. There was nothing for chronic fatigue at the time. There was nothing for the candida. There was nothing for the IV. There was nothing. <laughs> so, wow. Wow. Um, they just they just said, Eva, I think it's all in your head. Several of them turned their backs on me literally and said, I think you need psychotherapy. So <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I laugh about it today, but that it was very exasperating. Sure. Yeah, and I hear that a lot when I talk to people on the phone when, when they finally get to the point where they're like, I've tried everything. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and they say, gosh, I went to doctor to doctor also and no one could help me. And when I asked them why, the doctors would say, we don't know. We don't know. I remember about 15, 16 years, about 16 years ago, I had a chronic form of, of appendicitis that the surgeon had never seen before, only in books. Now I guess it's a little more common, where my appendix was stuck to my large intestine and began, it's, you know, it's a small little 
organ, but began to wrap around part of the intestine. And I was in the hospital for almost three weeks. Who's in the hospital for an appendicitis for three weeks? Every test was coming back normal, slightly elevated white blood cell count, this, that, and the other. And I remember a gastroenterologist coming in doing exactly that, like, oh, it's stress and it's because you're a woman and it's because of emotional stuff. And I wanted to smash him in the face while yes. I was on the morphine, right? And, and at the time, I, I want to say that that camera pill was relatively new. And fortunately, oh, yeah. the hospital I was at allowed me, had it. And I took it, still didn't show anything. And you would have thought that, that the scans they did, where I didn't say I had had an appendectomy, would have showed, oh, we're not seeing her appendix. Hmm, that's kind of a trigger. And it wasn't until my primary doc, who'd known me for about 10 years, said, look, she's not a hypochondriac and she's not drug-seeking. She's been on morphine for like 14 straight days. Something's wrong. You have to open her up. And finally, the surgeon said, oh, God, fearing that he wouldn't find anything, and then he'd be up against the board for having done an unnecessary surgery, said, fine, took pictures of it, came in the next day and said, uh, never have seen this before, took pictures. Is it okay if I share them with the students and, and, and the uh, you know doctors? And I said, sweetheart, you could post it on a flipping billboard for all I care because <laughs> you just saved my ass from being on morphine forever and people right. thinking I'm crazy. But it was one of my strongest experiences when I was being totally dismissed, not by my primary, thank God, but by other doctors who like you, and nothing even close that can be compared, but that feeling of like, are you not hearing me? Yeah, the dismissal. Yeah, I know yeah. something is wrong. I wouldn't be taking morphine. If I wanted to do that on my own, I would have been a heroin addict. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> no, yes. thank you. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people who choose self-medicating and you can do that to get by for a little while. But at some point, there's a, a line that you cross and it's no yeah. longer in the sand. It's like this really hard line where, oh, oh, gee, I, I can't do another day like this. Right. And that's when the decision is made. So they're all telling you this. There's really no help out there at the time. So what happened? Kind of how did you step into a place where then, you know, you started getting help or being aware of what you needed to do for you? Well, it was a journey. It took 16 years wow. of, yeah, of online and book searches of trying free diet out there. Maybe it's, maybe it's something I'm eating. Maybe I'm allergic to something. Maybe it's something with my hypothalamus. Maybe it's, you know, and it was like me then going in and almost becoming a bit of a hypochondriac to try to find out, ferret out what was going on. And I tried eat right for your blood type. I tried the coconut diet. I tried the, I mean, you name it. I, I, I tried it in order to, to see if it was just, you know, something going on with my digestion. Lo and behold, that was the cornerstone because I was raised on microwave foods, pop tarts, you know, pizza <laughs> squares, whatever those are called. <laughs> oh, the you mean the pizza bites? Yeah, the now, frozen now, pizza bites. Yeah, I mean that those were lunches and and, and breakfast. The dinners were always homemade, but they were microwaved, and so there goes all of your nutrients. Ugh. Yeah, so it, we didn't know. We, people do we do the best we can unless we know until we know better. And I was raised also on you know soda pop and non filtered waters, which I think a lot of us were at that time. It was just filtered water wasn't the thing. Avion was we were laughing at. We had our thumb up with our nose, going, "Who's buying that?" Yeah, right. <laughs> Oh my God, that's so true. Yeah, yeah. And now look at us. We're like, where's my bottle of water? Um, yeah. 
So it, it, it became a shift in mindset. And I quit soda pop more than 20 years ago. I went gluten-free. I went dairy-free and soy-free. And pretty soon, everybody was asking me, well, what can you eat? <laughs> and and I, that became a clue. I was like, I can get to myself feeling better about 50% of the way, but the rest of the 50, I knew was yet to be achieved. And that's what kept me continuing on the search. And one night I was 36 years old and I was up blessed with insomnia, right? As I say, blessed with insomnia, three o'clock in the morning. And I put in a search string of all 30 different symptoms and diagnoses. And I came across an article that started to describe my experience in my body. And I went, Oh my God, this is exactly what I'm experiencing. Always tired, adrenal burnout. They were describing what burnout was, which is now a word that everybody knows. And it's readily acceptable in the American medical you know, society. So all of that is now a thing. Um, back more than 10 years ago, doctors, when I used that term burnout, they thought I was nuts. So you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Right. Eva, the pioneer of burnout in the medical community. I could see it, but you know, I mean, that it just goes to show how we have to be our own advocate and yeah. be fearless no matter what they say. Well, somebody found it before me. I just read it and then I got loud about it. So yeah. Hey, when they say squeaky wheel gets the, gets the oil, it? gets the oil. Yeah. 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 Gets the grease, gets the oil. Gets yeah. the grease. yeah right. My mom always used to say that stand up and be counted and the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Those are her things. Yeah. So it, it became this, this endeavor. I, I wanted to believe that that Eastern way of medicine, if you give your body what it needs, it will heal itself. I mm -hmm. really held firm to that. It was so important to me. And this article read to that. It, it honed in on, look, if your body's environment internally was set up in such a way that it, its immune system was properly supported, it didn't have nutritional imbalances, the toxins that we gather throughout the day were kicked out automatically. And any toxins that were presented to us like mercury or even mold as, as it's exposed to the body, if your environment internally was so strong, then you wouldn't be susceptible to the effects of those things. Yeah. And your body just simply would not support things like parasites, viruses, bacteria. It would all die. Your body would be so strong that it just it, you, you wouldn't be able to support those things living in you. Mm -hmm. And I went, ah, oh, yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what I need to do. And how do I do that? <laughs> so, yeah. It's um, like great yeah. to learn maybe what we need to do, but then it's like, how, yeah. how do we do that? How do we do that? And I had tried, of course, you know, every doctor I went to, they drew my blood and you can tell an awful lot from blood, but you couldn't tell enough to get to the answers that I needed. Mm -hmm. And that's true for a lot of people. So blood tests are great for serious illness with your heart, your liver disease, you know, what's going on with your blood count, white blood cells, all of that. It's good to know if you have an infection, that's the, what is the, what is, yeah. but if you want to know what's really going on at the glandular level, what's going on, like, are you making hormones? Are there hormones being passed by the blood into the bloodstream to the cells and are the cells like utilizing, I'm not a doctor, but these are the things that I've learned about the body, how it works. It's like, if your body is so stressed out that it can't utilize the very substances, the, the drugs that your own body makes, because we have a perfect pharmacy. If you can't utilize it because you're stressed, then it doesn't do any good. Yeah, right. So you end up being resistant and then it just perpetuates itself. And this is what was happening to me. And it's what happens to a lot of people. And instead of 
learning ways to de-stress, we self-medicate to overcome it. And mm-hmm. then that becomes a slippery slope too. So anyways, I, I found myself in a, in a place where I went, oh, that's what I've been missing. So how do I know what the body needs now? Right. That was the next logical question. And for this specific person that I was reading his article on, it was all about mineral balancing. Mineral balancing and how the body's relationship of those minerals were according to what you find in the hair. But how did you get to that when maybe the science and the testing and the, the, the available things at the time weren't what they are potentially today and due to your work too, you know, like they always say, mother, you know, um, innovation is, uh, why I I am not able, (laughs) is this the COVID, is COVID-19 affected my brain? Okay. People, (laughs) I am not making light of COVID-19. I'm really not. But what's been weird the last couple of weeks, I just have to interject this here, is I can't remember old stories I used to tell all the time. You remember the one with the two wolves, which one you feed it, love or fear? Do you remember that Native American? I can't remember the whole details of that story to save my life, yet I used to tell it all the time. I can't remember proverbs and different phrases that I've used for, I'm 55 years old, my God, for a better part of my life, I've used some of these phrases in various ways, shapes, and form. And I can't, remember it is this an age thing (laughs) or maybe it's a mineral imbalance (laughs) see people yeah yeah so what is that mother need need is the mother of invention yeah necessity is the mother of invention okay same so you were kind of put in a position where out of basic need you came to this but when you first were starting before you developed the reveal technique and, and analysis how did you get the answers you needed to check your minerals because those aren't kind of standard tests that even specialized labs would do, are they? They're, they're not as common and well trained on. So I, the doctor that written the article, he also had a program where I could become certified. Oh. And so this practice has been around for more than 50 years and invented by one of the doctors, Dr. Paul Eck. He's no longer with us. But uh, I learned from from his partner. And so this was information that was like a mushroom in the dark. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I, and, and it was really only testing with recommendations. And I took it a step further. I said, look, we, we need to know how to implement things. It's one thing to give somebody a, here's a manual, here's some instructions, see you later. Goodbye. Good luck. Right. And I'm one of the few people who can take that information and really apply it and implement. Most people give up very quickly. And I found that those who were successful were the ones that I handheld along the way. Uh, and that takes some um, intuition, the guidance of what, what do we need next? What kind of complementary medicine should we introduce into this process? So I mean, the process is very analytical at first because you're dealing with the, the physical body, that 3D dimensional body. Sure. It needs to be dealt with. And so what I discovered on my own journey, how all this kind of ties in with intuition, I've always known I was a little bit different, but I had no idea how strong my intuition was until I became static free. And what I mean by that is I got rid of my toxins my, temi- my chemical buildup from over the years, I was chemically sensitive. I couldn't be in a room where people had perfume on. Wow, really? Right? It was yeah. that strong. It was that bad. My oxidation rate from my body was so slow that I couldn't remember things. So short-term memory was shot. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I so what does sleep, it mean if, if, if you're 
my husband call, teases me and calls me the great memorini because I have phenomenal memory, long-term memory. Lately, yeah, it is probably an imbalance. There's some short-term memory. Oh, it could just be everything going on and there's there's an edginess, right, to all of us, no matter how calm and no matter how we practice kind of our daily routines of self-care and more peacefulness and mindfulness and calmness, we cannot help but feel the palpability of the world around us right now and everything we're hearing, seeing, and doing, really. So there, there's an, uh, yeah, well, whatever. I Look at me. I'm trying to blame that on all kinds of stuff, <laughs> and it's probably just a damn chemo, you know, mineral imbalance that I need to see you for. So anyway. It's, it's, a, it's a combination of the two. To not, not dismiss either one or the other is important because that's where I found was the secret sauce. Because uh. it's one thing to take your supplements, and it's one thing to eat right. It's quite another to make sure that your emotional integrity is intact and that you're keeping control over the only thing you can, which is the thoughts that occur between the ears. Yes. And- <laughs> yes. Amen, sister. Yes. <laughs> which- and honing that. Yeah. And honing that. And, and that's exactly why I do what I do. And I have veered off from the traditional, I'm using air quotes here, people, the traditional path as a therapist, because I've never operated as a traditional therapist. And I say this during many different conversations. So how do you feel about that? And how did that make you (laughs) feel? (laughs) Oh my God, it is not helpful. And I'm sorry to all of you out there who might be psychotherapists too, but here's the truth. If you're doing that, you suck and you're not helping your clients. (laughs) What you need to do is help them learn that emotional resiliency and intelligence and integrity to really work with and through and learn to walk with and through that voice and all of the past experiences and, and not let those emotions get the better of you, especially right now. I can only imagine with the fear of being the way it is right now, how many more people, and I, I will never say this unequivocally as truth, because I can never know the answer. But my spiritual heart and instincts tell me that the more we live in this fear right now, and the more we buy into all of the things of the uncertainty that always was there, now it's just thrust in our face all the time, the higher incidents we're going to see of COVID-19 spreading and the lower will you know, the lower our immune system's responses and abilities will be. Would you agree from your medical experience in this realm? Yeah, in an an absolutely physical sense, the higher our stresses are, and stress is a misused term a lot. People will misname drama of life (laughs) as stress. (laughs) Okay. And and I, I use this terminology not to point fingers at anybody, but Stress is not whether or not your husband knows about your boyfriend. Stress <laughs> is, that's drama. Thank you. Which, which <laughs> stress is about the relationship, the chemical makeup inside your body and the relationship to the nutrient minerals and your vitality level from within. That is stress. Stress is toxic metals, toxic chemicals, whether or not you have a virus, bacteria, mold, fungus, any of those, the old drugs. Oh man, you think that drugs are expelled through the normal normal exit routes <laughs> on a daily basis? They're not. They're held into the body and fat cells and organ tissues. Guess what? Creating inflammation. And your body spends time overcoming 
all of that and creating new layers of metabolism and uh, building up this book. I like to call it an onion, an onion of metabolism, which is your life. And the further down into the deeper layers where you have imbalances, including those that were passed to you from mother to child in the womb, they continue to create stress for you to have to overcome. And they keep us in a state of the high stress becomes what I call sympathetic dominance. And I can actually see that on a hair test result. Really? I can actually quantify it. How? Yep. There's a, a level, a couple of levels in, that are in a relationship to each other. One is uh, sodium. The other one's potassium. But in particular, the potassium, if it reaches a level lower than four on a hair mineral test, four or lower, that means a person is in a constant state of cortisol overload. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yep. And it means it, how it translates. So people think I'm reading a, a crystal ball when I say this out loud. I'm like, all right, I'm looking at your test and, and we look at it together. I share my screen and I zoom in on it. And I'm like, all right, here's where I can see that you're possibly laying your head down at night and you're unable to turn off your brain. I would recommend keeping a pad and paper next to you when you go to sleep so you don't constantly whir, not worry, but whir in your mind, whir, 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 yeah. like a little rat on a treadmill. And that way you get the thought out of your head. Right. And I'll give them strategies. And I says, another thing is you won't be able to meditate. <laughs> People who are stuck in sympathetic dominance, they have a hard time getting into the place of calm because the very things that your body needs to be calm is being combated by the high levels of potassium and sodium in the body that keeps us on high alert. It's, an, it's just one can't be while the other one is. So as long as the body's in constant stress, it can't be calm. It's like, okay, well, what if I deep breathe? What if I meditate? Yeah, you can push things around, but you're only massaging the outer layers of metabolism until you start giving your body really what it needs. So can a person really genuinely feel calm all the way through and through and genuinely, maybe maybe they can meditate, maybe slightly different than the, the quote-unquote normal ways that some people meditate in silence and stillness and, you know, absolute quiet and things like that, sitting still and so on and so forth. Can some people feel that calm through and through and still be in a high state of stress physiologically? No. <laughs> So what, so what do you say to people then when they feel like they're calm, they feel peaceful, they feel, you know, mostly relaxed in their life, potentially day to day, maybe not much bothers them, or they don't feel the quote unquote stressors that are out there. And there's thousands of them in every moment of now. What do you say to them when they feel that way, but you know from their tests that there's actually these high levels of physiological stress going on? Usually there are, have you, have you ever drawn a line in, your, in, in the sand for yourself and thought, okay, well, I, I'm, I hurt myself playing, for example, I hurt myself playing volleyball. That's a real story. And so for this 15 years after that, my left knee was always unstable. So I was like, okay, I guess my left knee is always unstable. So we get to the place emotionally where what is even out of alignment for quote unquote normal or a place of feeling like we're at calm actually isn't. Mm -hmm. And so what you're used to may not be the best place for your mindset. So you, you may be out of sorts and just not even know it. The other case is you're so burnt out, so overburdened with stress and mineral imbalances and toxins and the adrenal system gets so burnt out too. It's like having a car sitting in neutral, your foot's down at the gas. You're not going to go anywhere and you're going to run out of gas anyway. Right. So it's, it's a, a 
a combination of things. You get used to feeling poor and we think it's normal. Uh, a, a sign and symptom would, would be uh, the, like if I had fibromyalgia, they, they told me I would never get out of having fibromyalgia. There's no quote unquote cure. And I'm like, well, I live without it now. So I was unable to experience what everybody else loved about massage. And I was like, why do people love massage? Mm. So it's, the, it's these little things yeah. that if we, if we think it's, well, I'm just different and would dismiss it. Oh yeah. That makes total, <laughs> that makes total sense. I remember from a, from an emotional, more psychological level, I used to work for a hospital system where I was their employee assistance program coordinator, and we handled about 25 companies in the county. And so I handled probably, I don't know, I, I could be off on these numbers, but I want to say I remember it was about nine, ten thousand 10,000 employees total. And I carried a pager 24-7, not so much for crises as much for kind of EAP connection, right? To, to kind of talk about what's going on and set them up for an appointment and so on and so forth. And I remember my pager would go off typical, normal, you know, one, two times a day, whatever. This particular period, it was going off like 10, 15 times a day. And I've got a full load as it is and doing speaking engagements and all kinds of things. And I remember my boss asking me, are you feeling stressed? And I'm like, no, no, you know, it's a little, it's a little crazy right now, but no, I'm, you know, I feel calm. I feel like I'm handling it. It's a little, it's a lot, but there's that, but, and he goes, and this is why I'm bringing this up because this is exactly what you're talking about. And this is exactly what he said to me. Is it possible, Sue, that you are so used to feeling this right now that it's seeming normal when really it's actually pretty stressful? And I went, no, no, it's fine. And I went, <laughs> I, I went in my office, somebody canceled. So I was getting caught up on some paperwork and I sat there doing some introspection and really sitting with that, with what he just said. And I went, oh my God, he's right. It, it has become my usual in this last week or so. And so it's feeling quote unquote normal, even though logically my rational mind knew this wasn't typical, I had made it become normal. And I had yes. forgotten because I was separating it out from typical to normal. It's amazing what we get used to. And, yeah. and we are so good at adapting, not only in our minds and in our emotions, but our body does the same thing. And in order to adapt, that's what I was talking about, that layers, building up the layers of an onion. That's every single time your body needs to overcome a trauma drama of, of an imbalance or, or toxic metal or even a virus. If it can't handle it, the body creates a whole new layer to adapt, creates a whole new layer of metabolism. It says, here you go, Band-Aid, and it tries so hard to work for you. It really does. Nope, none of us are lemons. The bodies all do work the same way. Yeah. We just have to tap into what it needs right now. So, wow, this is amazing. I'm loving this conversation. It's so enlightening and eye-opening, and I hope that you all are really listening with an open heart and open ears that although some of this may be challenging to hear because we don't want to think or feel or believe that we have been dismissive to our own selves to some degree. I think it's super critical and important, especially with what's going on in the world right now, to really take heed to what Eva's saying and check in with ourselves to say, where have I been feeling normal or denying that this is really out of the norm 
for the way my body ought to behave as this amazing healing entity, we were given all the natural capacity to heal ourselves. And so why are we having more disease and more illness cropping up? Why are we seeing more autoimmune and and insomnia situations and mental health situations? And you name it, the list could go on and on. All right, so let's go back. So you're learning this from your mentor. You start to recognize this. Is that the point you're saying that it took then 10 years for you to what, get to a place of real health? Or did you notice things right away or kind of, you know, take me into that journey then? What happened then? Yeah. So it was a difference and I had tried everything else. And so I had something to compare it to. Sure. (laughs) I I tested it. I said, okay, I'm going to try this for three months and see if I feel better after three months. If I feel like I'm backsliding, because sometimes that happens, you could start on a program and then you feel good initially Mm -hmm. within 30 days. You're like, Oh, I have energy. I feel pretty good. And then you start to feel poor and the diff Mm, I'm getting into two different conversations here and I'm trying to be careful and make it linear. It is definitely a difference between a fad or a trend, like a trend diet uh, or any type of drug that just band-aids it because I found permanent and lasting change and improvement that brought me past the 50% mark. And I noticed that at about six months in, I had gone through what we call healing reactions. And that's when, you know, I didn't want to confuse the difference between the body going through a healing reaction where it uncovers some old imbalances and the body's healing it. And therefore you experience that same issue, whatever it was at the time. And I'll give you an example. So one of my healing reactions was going through and really getting rid of that old virus from scarlet fever. Mm. And I had that when I was 20 and I started this program when I was 36. So that's 16 years, right? Yeah. Doing my math, right? <laughs> so you would think that with, uh, it took six weeks of antibiotics, some of the strongest antibiotics on the planet I took, and I was quarantined at that time. You would think that the virus would be dead. It was not. It was living dormant in older layers of metabolism in my body, causing inflammation and problems in my immune system. And here's how I knew. I woke up. I don't remember how many months in it was, maybe seven, eight. And I had full-blown scarlet fever. No. So while you go through healing reaction, your body is moving things through the normal exit routes, which includes your bloodstream. And while it's in your bloodstream, that virus is active. And then it goes, of course, your kidneys, your liver, however else the body gets rid of, of those types of things it was doing. And mm-hmm. I knew that because I experienced the result. Now I wasn't sick for another six weeks. I was sick for three days, but I, you, once you had scarlet fever, you recognize it like right away. I went, Oh, I know exactly what this is. And something told me not to be scared about it. And of course I had my own, my own nutritional counselor that I worked with and, and my practitioner, she says, Oh yeah, this is a healing reaction. So my body did the work it needed to, to finally, once and for all, kill off that virus. So when people tell me, oh, I never get sick, that's a red flag to me. You're not creating enough energy in your body to kill off viruses and infections. That's a problem. Really? Oh, yeah. So so you're saying that people who are like, oh, John passed away and he was never sick a day in his life until this happened. Or, you know, you meet somebody else who's like, oh, I haven't had a cold in 10 years or I only get 
kind of mildly a little not feeling well once or twice a year, that that's actually kind of a negative sign because it's saying that the body's not doing what it needs to do. Yeah. And a way to test that is think back to a time when you had what you thought might be the flu, but never got a fever. Mm -hmm. If your body doesn't have enough energy to raise its own temperature to the point of a fever in order to kill off the virus, how are you killing off the virus? Oh, yeah. That makes sense. So what do you do? Okay, so what do you do if like crazy wackadoodle like me has been tested for leukemia and various other things through the years? Because for many, many years now, not a hundred percent of the time, and again, I'm probably admitting to like major imbalances because I know I've done really poorly in good self-care. I admit that everybody don't be writing to me and telling me how shitty I am and I need to take better care and think I'm worthy and valuable. I do. I just not always putting good practices in place, but I have been told for years that I have typical higher white blood cell counts than normal and I tend to run a lot of fevers. Just just periodically here and there on my you know, my normal temperature is ninety-seven ish six, ninety-seven five. And I know people are like, that can't be normal. That has been my whole entire life. I typically run a bit lower, and you're probably gonna tell me something about that that I probably don't want to hear, but I want to hear it. <laughs> it I, I had that problem too. I used to say that I was my blood pressure was ninety-four over dead. Yes. You know? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh, shit. I think I'm interviewing somebody who is my freaking mirror, and I'm going to be forced now to have to face this and actually take action. Oh, shit. No, but I got to kick my own butts, right? You know, that's I'm 55 and I want to last. But I, you know, like, oh, well, you're 99.6 or 100 or are you feeling sick? No, I feel fine. Okay, that in and of itself may be a negative thing. I get that. But overall, are you saying then that people that may do that periodically, I don't do it all the time, that that's kind of a good thing? I'm a little, I I want to understand this better. It depends on what's going on. If you are actually fighting off a a bug, a a flu, or, um, you know, you have bacteria, this sounds more like infection. Usually when, usually in my experience, what I find is that somebody is running a little bit lower than normal temperature, because mine used to be also, mine used to be low. It's related to hypothyroidism, not to diagnose anything. It's also related to infections, low-grade infections in the body that will not be picked up in the blood test. That's Mm. why blood tests are not enough. Mm -hmm. So low-grade infections could hide in teeth. They could also hide in your adrenals. They could hide in any one of your glands. I have found that a low-grade infection in the adrenals will create a low blood pressure. Wow. That kind of makes sense. Interestingly, I've had that a better part of my life. I think the fever situation, though, I don't have a thyroid. They had to remove my thyroid um, 22 years ago. So I don't have a thyroid anymore. And yeah, I'll, I'll bet you any money if I really look back and had taken a real medical inventory, which I didn't keep track of from that point on is probably when I started running periodic fevers just a little here and there occasionally, whatever. Sometimes since I've been home almost two weeks from an event where we both met each other in person anyway, just a couple of weeks ago or so, I have run a little bit of fever here and they're going, you know, and that's the thing. I'm not worried and fearful of COVID-19, but I am cautious and, and not taking risks. 
And at the same time, because I was in LA and then San Diego and I was gone for almost two weeks and I was around hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people and flying and all these things. Now, when I'm catching these little or feeling these little fevers, I'm just kind of like opening my eyes going, huh, let me check in with myself. Do I feel anything else yet? Let me keep an eye on this. And then it goes away. But this this is fascinating. Okay. So Wow. And I didn't mean this podcast episode to be like, let's take care of Sue today. <laughs> but I think you represent a good portion of people who are dismissing their own because they don't so. have a, a frame of reference outside of yeah. traditional medicine to compare it to. They're like, oh, well, it's not anything serious, quote unquote serious. Well, how do you know? Right. So over time then, you know, you were going through these healing crises. Where's the point? And, 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 okay, so I'm going to kind of throw two questions at you at once. Where's the point where you kind of knew that you were really surpassing the humps of some of these major things you had been experiencing? And what would you say to people if they're afraid to do something like this because they're like, I can't, quote unquote, afford the time Right now is not the best time to say that because everybody is being stuck at home, right? <laughs> right. Or many people. But let's just say I can't afford six, eight months, a year, or three months, whatever, of going through healing crises from my own life. Like, how do you work with someone then? Okay, so it's really just like, where was the point for you and how would you work with someone? The The point for me, remember when I said I was diagnosed infertile and went through menopause yeah. at 28? I reversed all of that. So wow. within nine months, for the first time ever, 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 I had a normal cycle. And I went, oh, this is what cramps are supposed to be like. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I don't know if you wanted to reverse that, right? Well, well yeah, no, no, no. As did. in, typically, I I would have, so here, let me describe what infertile infertility and perimenopause was for me. I would go for three months without a cycle and spend that entire time in PMS. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. And I apologize to all those who ran into me during that time. So. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It wasn't fun. And then when I did have a cycle, when I was finally reprieved of my PMS, it, the, the cramps were debilitating. Right. So it wasn't that I didn't have them. It was that they were over the top and unmanageable. And um, even Fertility, not what do you call it? The um, a lot of doctors when they want to put you on a um, a regulation of pills, the pill. Yeah, like Depo-Provera or other birth control or yeah. things like that. Yeah, that made that made me worse. I mean, that that was PMS all the time on steroids, literally. Wow. And I was like, no, nah, this doesn't work for me. Let let me try something else that's more natural. And I I finally found that even just taking progesterone cream, which is considered a bioidentical help. It didn't last long because, because of the stress of my body and that resistance was there, it didn't work. So it became kind of like if your car runs out of gas, we know to take it to the gas station. Mm-hmm. But when we do progesterone or even testosterone, men, if you do that, that sort of bioidentical replacement, you might as well be getting behind your car when it's out of gas and pushing it to all of your destinations. Really? That is the same thing. Wow. So what I do actually creates a whole new situation where you can take your car, put gas in it. We're, we're putting minerals in the body, creating gas. You put your foot on the gas pedal. Now you go. And, and that's what's supposed to happen. So then how do you 
how do you work with someone who wants to look at this and they know that you can help them and they're yet they're afraid that they'll go through all these healing crises. And, and well, I, I tell them this, I say, yes, you will go through them, but we can control the severity and how often. So I found that the recommendations that I come up with based on a person's hair test are the well recommendations. This is the ideal for you. However, when you start taking them, this is where my handholding really comes into play. It's like, we may have to slow down mm-hmm. the amount of supplements, uh, taking the dosages down a bit, managing it so that you can get through your day. Because I was a single mom with a full-time career and managing this as a side job eventually. And I did this for six years before I went full-time. I did this as a part-time job in addition to raising my two girls and having a full-time job. So I too could not afford to be down with a bunch of ruling healing reactions and you can slow it down. It takes a little bit longer to go through the process of getting to, and I don't want to use the word ground zero because it's not, but it's more like a better fortified body to deal with all of the situations with greater ease and flow. And that's where I come from now. Everything that passes into my experience, I can deal with with a much greater ease and flow. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the deal. Is this where you say that, you know, in helping to heal health practitioners, is this where you say that a lot of health practitioners are mostly getting it kind of backwards? I would say the hunt and kill method of allopathic medicine is absolutely backwards and necessary if you have a traumatic incident. Mm-hmm. So this is where I say all medicine is good if it's used at the right time and appropriately. Yes. And yeah, yeah. Yes. So uh, you cut your finger, you're in a car accident, you're going to the doctor, period. You're, you're not going to go to a chiropractor to have an adjustment when your finger is bleeding. You know, seriously, it's just, <laughs> right. let's, let's think about it. Yeah, but when it comes to healing and working with emotional wounds, working with core wounds, working with karmic issues, things that are sitting in our emotional body, all of that, as a medical intuitive, I can see that. I can see Mm -hmm. that in a person. I can actually visually see chakra centers. I can see auric fields. And for those of you who don't believe in it, that's okay. I know they're there. (laughs) 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 And even if you don't believe in it, I can still clear them out and help you with your physical body. Not a problem. But it's it's just, (laughs) you know, belief, gravity doesn't doesn't need to be believed in in order to to function. (laughs) Exactly. And I love what you just said about that, because I consider myself to be, I guess we'll say the same as an emotional intuitive, right? You know, I've always had the ability of claircognizance and clairsentience. And I've always just, you know, I've known things about people and been able to it's way beyond empathic abilities, right? Yeah, yeah. And people are telling me their stories and yet I'm feeling something different in their own body and my body. And I stop them with their story and I go, wait, stop. What was that that just happened? And what just shifted? What went on? And they're like, how did you know that? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. So you don't, that's the point is we don't have to believe like Eva has said, gravity was gravity before we called it gravity. There are things out there that exist, regardless of what we label them or what we call them. And if we open our mind, our egoic human conscious mind and our heart to tap into that deeper place. And I want, I would love to hear your definition on intuition and how that was developing and unfolding for you. Mm -hmm. We are absolutely able to 
you know, then step into a place where we can allow our body to do its job. Because, you know, like one of the things that I've always pointed out when we were talking about physical things, like when I've talked about physical things with my clients, is did you ever remember having a cut on your finger? Did you ever have to physically look at the cut and tell your mind and your brain, all right, go white and red blood cells, (laughs) go to the cut and make it stop bleeding and heal it. And then now, you know, start creating new skin cells. Okay, keep going. You're almost there. No, we've never, ever had to do that. Our body has innate power and capacity if we give it that internal environment. It's like a fish in a fish tank. Yeah. If you give it clean water, it'll live. If you pour Coca-Cola <laughs> and milk in there, it's going to die. It's going to have issues. Well, it, this is the very thing that I love so much about the human body and its design. I don't have to be a, a doctor of biology yeah. to understand how all of this works and tap into it. And that that is a true appreciation, love, and respect for the human body and how we are created. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and all of this process has made me become even more greatly committed to being authentic within myself because I'm held to a higher cause. If I'm going to teach it and if I'm going to be a healer of healers, I can't do that unless I am very, very real. Yeah, right. With exactly. myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So how did that intuition, that knowingness you'd always had, but maybe hadn't listened to or hadn't heard as clearly because of all the toxicity in the body and all the ways the body was stressed biophysiologically, when did you start to notice that that was becoming a much clearer kind of, we'll say, in sight for you, and you were tapping into that more and more readily? Yeah, it, it had been a hit and miss experience for me my my whole life. I remember at nine years old being in the Crystal Mall in Connecticut with my family, and I'd never been there ever before. Didn't see a map of it, but my mom, she says, oh, I want to know where such and such store is. And and I just, at nine years old, I popped up and, and I went, oh, it's down here to the right and you'll find it. And they all, my whole family, you know, four other people, and they all turned around and looked at me like, who are you and who replaced you with Eva? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, you know, so I have, I've had spotted moments of that kind of, I don't know what you want to call it. All is one knowledge, uh, that, and just knowing and, and dreaming of the future. I dreamt nine 11. I've, I've dreamt certain people in my, uh, life passing away of certain things that came to me in a different technology. And like the, my brain just converted the information and it's a way that I can understand. So it didn't become something that I could actively play with and tap into with a knowing tool of a hand to say, metaphorically speaking, I'm going to take this tool of clairsentience or clairaudience, or it seems to me that as I developed a strong intuition for one knowing, and that's that at the seat of the belly, most people have that knowingness and they don't know that it's intuition. Yeah. They're like, oh, I, I'm not intuitive. I can't hear voices and I can't see things the way you do in your mind. I'm like, well, how do you experience? Uh, and I go through the different intuitions, the five different ones that I know. Of, and and like, oh yeah, knowing is I've had that my whole life. I go, that's intuition. Mm-hmm. You know something, but you have no reason other than you're knowing to know it and believe it. That is intuition. So that's the one most people have. Claire, uh, uh, voyance is one that I always had very strongly. I could see spirits and I was told at a young age, oh, Eva, there's no such thing as ghosts. And I'm like, well, who am I talking to then? So, 
Um, and then uh, the ability to see the future. I could see the writing on the wall, so to speak, with things, events that were happening. And a lot of that, I think, is just knowledge with, like, in- information with seeing how things turned out in the past. You can yeah. then project and say, well, this is likely to happen. But for me, no, it was kind of like tarot card reading where, or even uh, crystal ball reading. I could actually read future events based on what was happening today, not not having any experience of that kind of thing ever before. And I found myself with all of these different types of intuitions that just kept getting almost like if you can imagine um, a board that had little lights on it, one for each of the intuitions. So five little lights and they would just dimly light a little bit, one at a time, one at a time and every once in a while. And then all of a sudden, as my body became more and more clear, they would brighten and for longer. And so that it just became a longer, brighter moment of experience until finally they're all on. All of the lights are on at all times and I'm open to all of the information that comes to me and I have to be prepared for that because I never know how somebody else's information is going to find its way to which channel. Is it going to be auditory? Is it going to be sensory with my nose? Am I going to smell their perfume? Am I going to see the little bit of lace on the bottom of their dress that they were buried in? Right. Am I going to write all of these things? Am I going to hear yeah. the voice? Am I going to hear the one thing that that person who just passed by me, they need to hear the message from their deceased, you know, sister or whatever, all of these things that come to me and I'm, I'm open to it. So it just developed and became stronger and stronger and stronger. So how did you then use that for business? When did you transition from your old career into what you're doing now? Well, for a long time, I fought it. I was like, well, I'm going to keep this as a hobby. <laughs> my spiritual side was my personal side. I did not let anyone in it. And I certainly didn't talk to my clients about it. They, I thought they would think I was strange yeah. and weird, right? And <laughs> right. so for like, 2011, and that's when um, the other story that we could talk about at another time is when my ex-husband passed away. He was the reason why I started my business as a business. So the Elevate Institute, I opened my doors because he died. And from there, I spent six years building it as a side gig and was only doing this to help people physically detox. That was the goal. So we were only talking about detox, the physicality of having a strong immune system. Great, great story. Fine. And then I noticed a huge disparity between keeping it only in the physical and really having that holistic conversation with people. It, oh, yeah, it's all about emotions. It's all about their mental capacity, what we let in our spiritual sense and what we let in our mind. It really does matter. But I wasn't having those conversations with my clients yet. Mm-hmm. And where I was held to a higher account was when I was holding on to that job longer than I should have. <laughs> I want to quit, but <laughs> yes, I should because it's somebody else's truth that I'm listening That's... and buying into, right? <laughs> well, it was my own. I'm yeah. like, all right, I made a goal. I says, as soon as I raise my kids and once they're able to support themselves, I'll be able to, you know, take on the Elevate Institute as my full-time gig and not have a full-time job, J-O-B, in my old world. In my old world, I was working with natural stone and hard surfaces. So I, I used to be an architectural rep. Whole different world. Oh my God, <laughs> yes. Not even similarly aligned. No, the only the only similarity was I was teaching designers how to tap into the energies of the natural stone slabs to help with their clients' uh, ailments. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was it. <laughs> that small little piece, an element. Yeah. Small little piece. Yeah, element. Elements room was the name of the showroom that I had. So, oh my anyways. God. See, yeah. 
Yeah, it all ties together. So there came a point in time when it was very obvious that I was no longer welcome in that world. And it was kind of like the universe just saying, Eva, you have good ideas. You need to believe in yourself and just go and do it. So I was feeling underappreciated, underloved, and became a little bit disjointed. And finally, there came a moment where everybody all collectively, like the whole world aligned, the planets aligned, and, and I was offered (laughs) <laughs> an envelope. Will you please leave? And I went, Oh, now's the time I can do this. So it, it took a little longer than it should have because both of my girls had already become adults and I, w- I was in that place, but I become, well, what if I can't replace my income? Right. Right. That's yeah. the little voice. What, what if I, what if I can't, what if people don't understand me? What if, and I'm like, ah, geez, now I don't have a choice, but was really funny was the number that I had in my head that I needed to achieve in my savings account before I quit was what was in that envelope. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about getting bopped on the head by the universe. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think most of us go through experiences like that all the time. We're not paying attention and we're not listening, you know, as I say, through the ears of our heart and soul. We're listening through our mind and kind of those egoic what ifs and if thens and the buts and the fears and all the past conditioning. And again, the truths of somebody else. It may have been your truth, but it really wasn't your truth from down deep. It was the conditioned societal set of expectations and experiences. Well, I'll do it when the kids are older. I'll do it when I have the money in the account. And sometimes the universe is kind and then helps us out like that by giving you exactly what you would ask for and manifests it. And other times it says, oh, hell to the no, I'm bopping you on the head and you're going to do it regardless because you have no flipping choice. And I honestly think that's where we're with COVID-19 worldwide right now. Anyway, that's a different story. (laughs) Okay. So then, you know, and I'm sorry to hear condolences to you on the, on the passing of your husband and um, his, his death incited and opened you up into this deeper place and you stepped in. And when your J-O-B kind of gave you the envelope of permission, so to speak, did you then kind of dive you know, headstrong, full steam ahead into the Elevate Institute full time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It became so it's it's funny. People would see me in action and they'd say, oh, I wish I had a passion like yours. And I'd say, careful what you ask for, because once you have passion, you don't have a choice. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yes. It it, it tells you. (laughs) Listen to what Eva said again. Once you have passion, you don't have a choice. Yeah. When you really know that this is your passion and not what you think you should do, it's something you have to do. It's like your lifeline, your blood, your breath. You'll do it for free. You'll do it on an airplane. You'll do it in a bathroom stall if somebody says something to you that, and it's part of your passion at work. And I, and I believe that it's important that we all step into that place. And now the realization with your work, Eva, that we need to create a clearer channel physiologically for those passions, those intuitions, those soul guidances, all the nigglings that we get and allow that to to be more prevalent so we can hear, feel, sense, know, touch, taste, all of that. Yes? I agree. And at the same, on the other side of, of the same coin, there's 
an awful lot of urgency behind wanting to find your passion if you have not yet. And I've done an awful lot of meditation around this. And I'd love to share just what I came to as a moment of peace because it took me so long to get to my passion. I would pray for guidance. What, what you want me to do? You know, what, where should I be servicing? And it finally came to me after, after six months of just fervent prayer, I finally heard the answer and not audibly. It was in my, in my own head, but I knew it wasn't my own message because it was outside of my own ideals mm-hmm. and said, do what makes you happy because we'll let you know when we're ready for you to come into service. Mm. Say that again, please. Do what makes you happy because we're going to let you know when it's time to come into service. Really hear that, people. Let that soak in. Do what makes you happy because we're going to let you know when it's time for you to come into service. That's absolutely exquisite. I don't know that I've ever really heard a more succinct and powerful statement to really capture the essence that we are all here on this planet with impact to make and gifts and talents to share. And what we think might be or should be or we're expected to be is not necessarily who we are meant to be. And my life's work is about helping people learn how to step into who they're meant to be. And that phrase is so succinctly and encapsulating all of that because it may not look like you need it or want it to from your egoic mind on your time frame, but the universe is saying, I love you that much that if you just hang out and step into that place, we'll let you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they don't miss the mark either. And no. it came in very strong and pop on the head, pop on the head big time. And it can displace you. It can mean a move, which it did for me. It can mean a move. It can mean a death. It mean all of those things. Yeah. And I kept asking, well, what should I do? What should I do? And they're like, look, as long as the voices, as long as you're not hurting anyone and you're happy, that's really just be you. Be you in the meantime, love, serve others. You know, what's that general, the general message, right? Love and be loved in return. That's really what I was given to do. That was my mission until I found my mission. All right. So what is your mission now? My mission, you know, I've put a lot of of thought into this. Like, what is the, what is my succinct? What is my offer? What, What am I? I'm a healer. Yes, for sure. But I'm also... I tend to read like you. I have that intuition where I can tap into a person and let them experience themselves from a different point of view. And I think that's got power in it when a person is ready to hear it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So how did that then, you know, as you were working within, you know, your work at, at the Elevate Institute, how did illumination tours come about? Well, for me, it's a logical conversation, and I'll share. <laughs> I'd love to hear. Please do. Like, how do we go from detoxing all the way to spiritual retreats all over the world? Well, well no, that- because, yeah, it, it's, it's to me, like you, like you're mirroring my life in a lot of ways, right? And And this is what I love is that we're always attracted to people regardless, whether it's a podcast guest or 
like I'm a guest or we just have a conversation in the aisle of a grocery store. Maybe not so much right now, everybody, but, um, or whatever it might be, whenever (laughs) we're connected (laughs) and we feel a synergy with someone, even if it's just as simple, I pass you on the street and say, hello, and I acknowledge you, there's an impact and that we are drawn and we bring forth those that will help elevate us, you know? And so to me, like you, it's a very logical conversation. But I've also lived in the land of both the spiritual being having human experiences and the human being having the spiritual experiences. That's the foundation of my life's work. And so to me, this is normal. But for others, it's not so normal. So yeah, I'd love to hear how you kind of went from that into this, because I think that's even so much more powerful with what you're doing then and the way it blends together. What healing? Wow. It, it, it came in to me, and I, 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 I say that with, um, it seems ambivalent. Okay, you know that space and time when you're not quite done dreaming, but you haven't opened your eyes yet? That yes. space. Okay. So in that space, I've noticed I haven't remembered all of the mistakes that I made yesterday. And so I'm not beating up my myself about something and I'm not remembering all my to-do list for today. So it's a non-resistant moment. Mm-hmm. In that time, just fractions of moments, I found myself receiving or becoming in alignment with the vision of my now business model. And I kept receiving little tiny puzzle pieces of that information. Oh, you're going to be helping people in service. Oh, you're going to be helping people get rid of, and you're going to work with them remotely. And you're going to use all the technology that you learned in IT. I was an IT professional for 10 years, so I know how to make computers work. There's all of these, these experiences that I've had over the years that have come into play. And these puzzle pieces just made a bigger and bigger picture. And one day it started talking about, well, this should go into corporate wellness. You need to be talking with high power professionals and working with their sales teams and working with their management teams and making sure that they're well serviced. And then I thought, well, how are they going to learn about the experience of the different modalities and how to take care of themselves and have a visceral memory? Because that's how we learn best, right? Is to mm-hmm. do something. Right. And then another one of those moments in the early morning hours, I received the you need to be taking people on tours. And I was like, oh, retreats, take them out of their everyday environment, interrupt it, take them to ancient civilizations. Why ancient civilizations? I've, I'm a nerd. I'm a Star Trekky. I'm a... <laughs> I love that. I love, I, I, I love physics. You know, I, I, I can I can geek out on mineral balancing all day long, but I can also geek out on cars and I play the flute forever. It's like, I love technical stuff. Anything's complicated. I want to know about it. So in the case of ancient civilizations, we have ruins all over the planet. And maybe we don't want to be taking on the lifestyle of the Mayans and the Incans and, you know, who, who sacrificed. That's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) What? We're not all just going to go back to that? No. Okay. But, but they had, they had ways of healing and a belief system about their lives, how how they lived their lives that could be useful today. And, and so I wanted a way to take my hobbies and, circle them back to how can we take the ancient wisdom of yesterday and bring it into today's lifestyle? And how could that mean? And isn't that interesting? I think when you said it a minute ago, that this coronavirus is creating a situation where Venice's waters are the clearest they've been in decades, right? Global warming is reversing itself after a few days of us halting all 
business. Wow. Our pollution level in the air can be seen from satellite. Clear as bell now. Doesn't that say something? Yeah. And, you know, this is the first time I'm publicly saying this publicly, but I have had this conversation with several people over the last few days. And they're like, you know, some of them in the fear mode of why is this happening? And what does this mean? And this uncertainty. And I said, what if nobody knows for sure, but I'd like to believe that what my heart and soul tell me, what I've been guided on for pretty much 55 years of my life, even before I could recall that right at two and three years old, I distinctly remember four on. What I'd like to to kind of look at it from a different perspective. So what if all of the destruction that's gone on in the world for a period of years now, all of the devastation, all of the fear, all of the hatred, all of the fear-mongering around the world, not looking at any particular country, government, person, behavior, attitude, what if this has created a situation where we are at this precipice place in raising the consciousness of who we are collectively as a unit? We needed to create COVID-19 as a way to cleanse, not people who are not clean. I don't, I don't want to say that word cleanse. It's a really poor choice of word in our English language is really poor in, in, describing or revealing what if we created this on some level as a way to raise our vibration and the collective consciousness even higher than where we felt we were before to a a more unified known quote unquote place where we really could heal the planet heal ourselves and come from a place of love isn't that a potential possibility yeah, I like, think so. Why not? So be cautious, don't take risks, and be aware at the same time that we will come through this if we, as we've come through every single other thing in our history with more resilience and more love. Somebody asked me earlier today, we're going to come through this, right? At the, right at the end, I'm like, you know what? I go back to when... My life was the hardest and I'm got a full-time job, a, my own part-time business. I'm raising two girls on my own, emotionally unintelligent, having a difficult time getting support that I needed. If that wasn't hard, I mean, I felt like I was being handed every bad luck item possible and more than my fair share. And it just felt like it was overwhelming and wrong. And at that time I was like, I don't have a choice. People would see on the outside, you know, Eva, I don't know how you do it. I don't have a choice. We will get through this because A, we don't have a choice. Yes, yes. But B, we can get through it with ease and grace, flesh, like you're talking about, by controlling what goes, what we allow in our mind, what we allow ourselves to consume, you know, especially the news. And I, I keep track of that. I watch things based on what's important for me to know. And then so that I can inform those that I service. But I'm, I'm not one of those fear mongers and I don't spread rumors and I, you know, I'm not going right. to get on. Oh, yeah. be careful for the, it's like, no, you, you need information. And the news, somebody shared this with me the other day. The news is not meant to inform you. It's meant to affect you. Yes. 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 <laughs> and there's hallelujah bells going off. 
I hear you, sister. Oh my God. All right. So uh, I know we're over and, and I don't care. I mean, I go as long as we need to, and this is going to be a bit longer episode because I think it's a, a very important episode. It's a very important conversation that we're having. And I think it's at a critical point in time and in shifting and transition. And so curiously then with Illumination Tours and has that ceased because of COVID-19 now? Or are you still able to travel? Or are people still wanting to come to these retreats? Or is it just on hold for a little while or what? Well, it, it's very interesting how things unfolded, if you will, from the time of, I think we'll still be able to go about two weeks ago. I think we're still going to be able to go. Shouldn't be a problem. And I'm contacting my, my first trip is in Peru. And you've noticed as the story unfolds about a week ago, there were 300 Americans trapped in Peru because they closed the border. Nobody could get back. <laughs> and our trip was scheduled to have us leave on the red eye flight Saturday night. So today's Monday. So it was last Saturday. <laughs> wow. I have a good friend of mine who's Peruvian, who's from Peru. And I wonder, I should check her Facebook page. I wonder, you know, I haven't talked to her in a while. I wonder if she, I think she was just there. And I'm wondering if she's there now or if she's home. I'll have to check. Thanks for that reminder. Sure thing. <laughs> so I checked in with the, with the person who owns the retreat center there. And he's like, well, I'll keep an eye on it, but I think we're going to be okay. And it, it was a weekend before that we made the executive decision. I think we just need to move things. And once we made that decision, we, I have a partner in Illumination Tours. So okay. uh, Gina and I, we uh, made that decision. Let's move it. And we selected a date that turned out to actually be a better date. So we were going on the new moon. Now we're going on the new moon, which is also a solar eclipse and solstice, solstice. or I should say equinox. Is yes. it equinox? Yeah. Equinox. So wow. <laughs> it's going to be a triple. <laughs> oh, that's a lot gonna... of energy. Oh yeah. That's going to be so flippant cool. Right. So oh, this is going to now, we moved it from end of March, which I was excited about because March is the official beginning of the new year. It was only made the third month after Caesar said, Hey, I think I want January to be the first of the year. So March has always been the renewal first part of the year. And I thought, well, what a better place to have the new moon and have a dispatcho ceremony and to be able to celebrate giving up the old to bring in the new and creating intentions. And that's what this is all about, right? You yeah. can tell I get very excited. So we were going to do this March right now, right now, all the way through to the 31st. Yeah, we're not there. So, yeah. <laughs> but the ease and flow with which everything transpired to just switch it over airline flights, easy, done. And it, at the high season, June 14th through the 23rd is the high season to go to Peru. All the tickets were available. We just, yep, done. Check, check, check. All of our reservations, check, 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 done. So it became super easy and we were able to make room for a few more people. So if anybody wants to go, <laughs> we have room for a few more people. You know, that's when you know, Grace has been saying all along, it was always supposed to be in June, silly. Yeah, yes. Just be patient <laughs> and we'll let you know when we're ready for you to serve, right? Just like me to jump the gun sometimes. <laughs> hey, all of us though. I mean, that's part of our humanness. Yeah. So how would somebody get in touch with you? And and we'll go through this again and at the end here. But how how would somebody get in touch with you just because it's fresh and you just said it? If they were interested in, you know, this tour in June or one of your future tours, how would they get in touch with you? Easiest way is to go on to the website. And that was a clue that we should do this business. It was actually available. The domain name of illuminationtours.com 
is now ours. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> We're like, we can't believe this is available. It's ours, sold. So illuminationtours.com, there is a button to um, find out more. And it's okay. an invitation to just book a time with us. It's, it gives a calendar. You pick out a time and we'll get on the phone. Perfect. Yeah. So in in going back for a second, in if someone was interested in working with you and kind of learning about what their mineral imbalances are and how to really kind of cleanse their internal body and deal with all of this from a holistic perspective, what would that look like? How, how would they do that? I mean, not just get in touch with you. We'll, we'll do that shortly, but how would it look like? What would you do with them? It, it starts, it, everything's personalized when it comes to the one-on-one -on -one consultations and your recommendations. So, it's a long-term relationship that we're, we're building, but it starts with a conversation and answering of all the questions that you have, because every question a person asks begs an answer that also asks two more questions. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so no, that makes sense. I get it. Yeah. It's yeah. never a simple. So everybody's story is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Everybody's story includes trauma from a past doctor that brushed them off or gave them something, put them through another traumatic event. It's like, so I'll listen to all the stories to find out where the pitfalls are and what needs to be negotiated and how we can work it out. Like, where are you? And that's the important thing is I always work with somebody where they are. Mm -hmm. So it starts with that conversation. I'm not going to give you a one size fits all, but it all starts with your hair. And you can do that obviously remotely or do they get a kit and they just send it off somewhere or what? Yes. Okay. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I told you I love this girl. Well, you're not a girl. You're a, you're a beautiful spiritual soul. I, I, but she's human too. So yes. this woman. Yeah. 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 Very, very much so. <laughs> I admit to my faults when I have them. It's not very often. <laughs> Uh, I, I I try to employ some uh, humor, and I'm a, a fan of, of today's comics. So, oh yeah. I well, I don't know if you knew my brother-in-law is a pretty well-known comic. No, I didn't know. Yeah, Rocky Laporte. Do you know who oh, he is? I know the name. That's my brother-in-law. Awesome. That's my husband's <laughs> brother. Yeah. And my, uh, I think you know, I'm a category director for the health and fitness category for Podcast Magazine. That's right. You did and share that with me. My. I'll give you a little clue because this won't go out until after it's already been revealed, but my April issue is on a, a well-known comic. Ah. My feature story is on a well-known comic. So I wish I had out. that gift. <laughs> what, <laughs> to be oh, a comic. comedy? Yeah, yeah. You know, you're pretty darn funny. And I think I think I am too, but I think we're funny in the in the moments and the off the cuff. Like to to have to go on and do stand-up. I couldn't even imagine. I, I've watched my brother-in-law a million times and I just I couldn't I just I couldn't do it. I, I love being on stage. I love audience. Yeah. I love interaction. I've, I've given a talk like Ted talk and, and it's so much fun. It's so invigorating, yeah. but I don't, I don't know. I think comedy, I get my hats off, you know, to yeah, that. me too. <laughs> me too. All right. So hair analysis. So they yeah. get like a kit and they send it off mm -hmm. um, with instructions. And then you just kind of go from there and create this personalized individualized plan with them. Yeah. How yeah. would someone get in touch with you if they were interested in working with you one-on-one? -on -one? Best way is to go to theelevateinstitute.com and okay. there's a button that says call me or contact me. You click on that and it brings up my, my uh, 
contact information. And that, again, allows you to get onto my calendar. If you want to take that questionnaire, I mean, we talked about that as like, if you're hearing some things personally in your story that resonate with, with you about, oh gosh, maybe I have some imbalances, but you don't know. And you don't necessarily want to have the conversation yet. Take the questionnaire that doesn't require blood or a firstborn. You could do that <laughs> very easily. <laughs> Just take the questionnaire and, and it brings you right to uh, a very simple way to reveal if you have imbalances hiding in plain sight. Okay. And that's, again, go to www the t h e elevate e l e v victor a t e institute i n s t i t institute u t e i don't know why i always have to spell that one out it's so weird dot com that's the elevate institute make sure you put the the in the elevate institute.com as eva is generously offering for free the ability for you all to take this questionnaire. And as I recommend all the time when I'm, you know, with a guest who has generously offered something of value for free to you all, please take her up on this. I think especially with COVID-19 being what it is today, it is more important than ever that we all take charge of our own health the best ways we know how. And part of that means we have to be aware of what is going on. If we're not aware, we can't do anything about it, right? You guys have heard me talk about, you know, the 300 pound, I'm going to stereotype the 300 pound guy, tough guy, who's laying on the ground with 104 fever with a burst appendix going, oh, I don't know, it's just something I ate. He wasn't paying attention and being aware of what was going on and the warning signals in his body. I do not believe, just like what Eva's life's work has been revealing, that our physical bodies are going to experience these aches and pains and problems and insomnias and fatigues and you name it, the list is endless. And it's not a warning sign to us. I'm guilty of it too. I absolutely don't pay attention to half of the stuff going on in my body. And I know once she and I are done with this interview, she's probably going to yell at me. She might even (laughs) yell at me now. No, I don't yell. I admit that. No, I can tell you don't (laughs) yell. You are so, if you could see her, you'll see her picture when I announce this episode, which is probably going to be very shortly here. But the truth is, is that we have to be aware and then we have to take charge. And no matter how quote unquote difficult it may seem like, oh, I don't want to go through all this, or I don't have the money, or I don't have this. Those are all just the excuses, those butts and boundaries that we are buying into if we really want to live the life that we were brought into this body and chose to come into this body to live and be who you're meant to be and step into your potential and possibility, we have all the tools right before us. So please take advantage, as I will, of Eva's generous offer to take her questionnaire and begin to be aware and learn what's going on. So what in this final moment then, Eva, would be a... um, kind of kick your butts kind of boundary excuse limitation piece of advice that you would really want my audience to really take away from this today? More than anything, it's the notion that you're the only one who lives in your body. You're the only one who knows how you feel. No one can dismiss you unless you let them. So if you're not feeling well, listen to that. Oh, I love that. And and your story is just, 
It's so inspiring because you are the epitome of, I actually know someone who has gone through and is going through something very similar, who is a health practitioner and very good at what this person does. And I'm not going to say male or female, they'll know who they are, who has been battered with one thing after another. And they're really good at what they do. And not but, I think that there are some missing pieces, just like for all of us sometimes, right? And I hope. I know I'm going to reach out to this person and ask them to reach out to you and hope that they do, because I believe that we can all learn and grow, that there's never too much information, and I can take and leave whatever is important for me. It has been such an honor and a joy to have you on today, and so informative and so important. And I thank you so much for being here, Eva. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Oh, me too. And you all, please know that regardless of what's happening in the world today, we all have always been full of power, powerful people. And we have, like Eva said, and you've heard me and many others say this before, you're the only one who breathes oxygen into your lungs. You're the only one whose heart beats in your own chest. And you're the only one who can think and feel whatever it is you think and feel. And if it's holding you back from stepping into that place that you know down deep is within you. Ask yourself why and ask yourself what you need to do. What help do you need? Who do you need to reach out to? What do you need to ask in order to help begin on that path of finding those answers so that you can continue walking this journey together as yourself. I saw a hashtag for COVID-19, a commercial the other night that said hashtag alone together. And it's really the truth. We are alone because we are individual entities. You're not a Siamese twin more than likely. And we are together on this planet. Know that coming up, there is a summit that I will be on that I will be talking more about over the next couple of weeks with reclaiming our souls women emerging and reclaiming our souls from sexual abuse, I will ask you all to share out all of these episodes that you find helpful, as well as the information and on how you can do a I Stand With You video. And you know what? I think in the times that we're living in right now, this is about I Stand With You as a human being, regardless of assault or abuse of any kind. And if we have been abusing our bodies, basically, by sitting in denial because we're afraid, I really think we're being offered the opportunity to sit with ease and grace, as Eva said, and just allow ourselves the permission to love ourselves just that much more so that maybe we take a little more action than we ever took before. And with that, I love you all. I am so honored that you're here. Go to www.kickyourbutts.com and drop me a little message on the record button so I know you're here. And if you have anything you want to share, I'd love to hear it. Have an amazing, beautiful week. Stay safe. Be well. Ciao for now. You've been listening to Kick Your Butts, where sitting on your butts is no longer an option, figuratively and literally. 
To access the show notes and important links from today's episode, please visit kickyourbutts.com. While you're there, please share your Kick Your Butt story by clicking the Start Recording button. It might just be included in a future episode. Thanks for listening today. Now get out there and kick those butts to the curb.